The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. You know what? I know I can't see you, but I can feel the smiles from here. You know it's Friday. I know it's Friday. And it feels good, doesn't it? Uh, and it will feel especially good this hour because I've got somebody that you absolutely love. I know Gemma Cooper. That's who you were thinking of. Yes, her, as well as the wonderful and uh, probably the best, the most fair income and selfless politician we have in this country, Senator Malcolm Roberts of One Nation. Uh, we'll be chatting with him uh, a bunch of about a bunch of things, including they're ripping off the miners, the coal miners. These guys work in hellish conditions. And they found a loophole, right? A loophole, a scam that Malcolm Roberts has indeed uncovered and is working towards closing that loophole, amongst other things that he's been working tirelessly towards. So we'll be chatting with him about that and other things here at TNT, uh, right? Or oh, imminently, to be honest, I was going to say this afternoon, but I keep forgetting it could be morning where you are. Uh, the other th person we're talking to is, of course, Thank God it's Friday, Omar Khan, and uh, he can talk on anything, anytime. That man could talk underwater. He is absolutely phenomenal. I've yet to find a topic that he is not across and has, uh, he always puts his unique spin on it as well. His uh, opinion is not only correct, but he obviously always has a unique little uh, spin on it that is uniquely him. And uh, we look forward to having a chat with him here most Fridays. So uh, that will be happening imminently as well. Now, I used to have the uh, phrase, I think, uh, my wife used to say it to my son when he had to go to bed, it's bedtime for Bonzo. Well, Bonzo in this particular case is a guy with the complexion of a beetroot. And who am I talking about? Which politician could I possibly be talking about? One, Mr. Barnaby Joyce. Yes, what was he doing about 11.35 p.m. last night? He was having a, well, not really a nap, but in a semi-comatose state, one might argue, on his back, uh, uttering all sorts of profanities. The F and the C bomb were there as somebody walked past him while he was still wearing the same garb that he'd had at question time earlier that day, the same outfit, uh, you know, quite a few hours later, uh, apparently very intoxicated uh, and claiming that he fell off a planter, that he fell off a planter. And that's how he ended up being uh, laying on, on the ground on some footpath in Canberra. But of course, when this went viral, and it has gone viral, uh, the video, um, of course, who do you blame? Don't blame Barnaby. Let's blame the guy who filmed Barnaby as he walked past. That's what they did. They tried to bung it back on him, saying this guy should have stopped and rendered assistance. Now, as somebody who works in pubs and clubs quite often, but I do work in very good pubs and clubs who uh, have people escorted from the building long before they get into this particular kind of state. And you can take from that what you will about other venues. But the simple fact is on the odd occasion where I have seen somebody laying outside, mumbling all sorts of profanity on the ground, obviously I would suggest, okay, uh, unless you do some sort of scan on their liver or ask them why their face is the colour of a beetroot, and I am speaking in general, but uh, just making an absolute fool of himself. He's uh, not far from his unit that he owns down that way. But uh, Barnaby Joyce, you're a disgrace. That is absolutely uh, just ridiculous for somebody of your stature, of your notoriety, to be found in such a state. You know, I mean, anybody, a wino would be embarrassed to be found in that kind of state. And there you are representing, allegedly, Australia, 
and uh, just absolutely ridiculous. And when we talk about people who uh, seem to be incoherent, those who seem to not be so in touch with reality at any particular time, uh, that brings me to Joe Biden and what stark contrast he is, wow, with Vladimir Putin and wow, the interview that they absolutely didn't want to happen. And it wasn't that they didn't want him to be asked questions, they just didn't want you to hear his answers. And why? Not even, well, I guess what he says has a lot to do with it, but you get to get the measure of a man when somebody speaks to them at length. Two hours plus this interview went for, and I watched every single minute of it. The first half an hour, it's a bit of a history lesson as to how Russia came to be and why the people think they do, why they act as one, why they're patriotic and why Vladimir Putin is pushing and standing up for the people of Russia. Whereas in, again, stark contrast, here we are in the Western nations. What do we do? We're erasing history. We're chopping the ankles of the statue of Captain Cook. We're allowing things like this to happen. They are rewriting the rule book. And whilst Vladimir Putin says that, you know, they have a united front and well, you could argue we know why he probably says, well, he does say no to mass migration. That may be one of their strengths, in fact, and he does kind of uh, allude to that throughout the interview um, and the fact that they are staunch uh, Christians and he himself is a Christian. One of the questions that I was surprised that was asked of him is, you know, how do you kill or have people under your control kill others when you are a staunch Christian? And his answer was rather compelling and accurate. He didn't seem like he was too uh, put out by any of the questions. If, if I'm honest, uh, he had a very measured response to all of them and something else that I found uh, a very principled man, because <clears throat> what he did when asked about a bunch of questions, including one uh, that he uh, conversation that he had with uh, Vladimir Zelensky himself, um, he said, and I won't give you his response. I think it would be in poor character if I was to tell you what he said to me in a private conversation. And that happened a, at several uh, points in that particular interview. So if you have a conversation that is meant to be private with uh, President Putin, He's going to keep that private. And I think that is the measure of a man. He's not going to use it and twist it to his advantage. But uh, what it did show, this man is extremely intelligent. He's extremely well educated. He understands um, uh, his people. He is looking forward down the track. And uh, he mentioned the CIA on many occasions, not that any of us were surprised, not any thinking people, which is all of you out there in TNT land. Um, we know the CIA went and engineered all of this, and he's given them every opportunity to come to the table and to uh, reverse this situation. But they're going to push forward. And it was NATO expansions, one, two, three, four, five times encroaching on, on this giant and thinking he's just going to cop it forever. He's not going to cop it forever, nor are the Russian people, and they are going to fight to the last. But if there is any escalation, and he laughed at talks of nuclear escalation, saying, well, basically, there's no winner in that, um, and alluding to the fact, but not saying that if there, if it does get to that point, and I think we all could have agreed with this, even though he didn't say it, but alluded to it, that it will be the West that that starts that. As always, you know, the bully, the bully that goes around. And of course, he did also uh, make point of the West is not quite what it used to be. Uh, the Nord Stream uh, 1 and 2 pipelines, he, he knows who did that. And he also said, there's Germany who are suffering. I mean, they are really suffering with this energy crisis at, at the moment. And there is still a pipeline that is available to them, yes, and they don't choose to turn it on. And another one that goes through, I think it was Poland. And again, they won't turn it on. So this suffering of the German people is 
well, they can just turn it on. You know, the Russians will give them all the energy, all the gas they need. So they're suffering because the Americans went and blew up a couple of uh, pipelines and uh, and they just don't want to turn the valve back on. And the German people obviously think they don't have an alternative. Wow. Wow. More wows. Watch it. If only for the first half an hour where you'll get the best history lesson from one of the best history teachers I've ever come across. Yep, Putin himself. Now, why not give TNT Radio a follow? Because we're on all of the major platforms, including Facebook. We're on X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. You can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here at TNT. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I wonder if we will be in lockstep today with our attire. And well, I already know uh, the answer. And we get to cross to the wonderful. Gemma Cooper. Hey, Gemma, how are you going? Hey, Dean. Yes, going well. It's a Friday. We kind of are a little bit uh, attuned this week. We started the week dressed in black and we've ended the week with a bit of white on. Um, I don't know what that symbolises, but there's probably something deeply Freudian or Jungian about that. But yeah, it's Friday here in the UK. It's Friday where you are. Um, but there's so much to talk about. I mean, you're just you're talking about the, uh, the Putin interview there. And it's very... Um, it's very interesting seeing the way that this, the reaction to this here in the UK, the different outlets, because obviously we have the the BBC, um, which is supposed to be the most trusted, impartial broadcaster. And I th- I'm trying to say those words with a straight, straight face. face. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's, it's very interesting, the reactions that this interview has garnered. And I'm sure that many TNT viewers have already watched it in, their, in its entirety or picked up that kind of highlight points. Um, but they've tried to go for Putin, not just the BBC, but other outlets in any way they can. And it's very interesting, the straw clutching, because as you rightly say, he comes across as very erudite. He comes across as very measured. He keeps conversations private. He's a, he's a politician. Um, and, and it's interesting that over the last few weeks in the UK, we've seen these relentless headlines which you and I have discussed, saying, you know, war is coming, Russia is the threat, we must be prepared for conscription, we are all going to be called up, Russia, Russia, war, war. In fact, we only just talked about it yesterday uh, with the revelations by this shadowy UK Defence Intelligence uh, Bureau, which normally keeps its mouth shut, but they were ahead of this interview saying, Russia is a terrible threat, it's all disinformation. Um, and his, his, his words about, look, I've got no plans to invade Poland or Latvia or any of the surrounding NATO countries. I don't want World War III. I don't want global annihilation. He's very kind of, look, I've got no plans to invade. It will be the West. And that's what we've been seeing in the UK. We've been seeing these relentless headlines that Russia is the demon and we must all unite and all all drop our day jobs and fight Russia, this terrible threat. He's saying, no, it's anything but in a very measured way. So the response is interesting. So you've got the BBC, their top line that they've taken from this two hour sit down is that, uh, you know, a US journalist currently being held in Russia might be released. That's their takeaway from that entire interview. That's their headline, putting the focus entirely on America, an American citizen, and not putting his words at the top of the headlines and of the interview. So immediately they've shifted and they've changed the narrative. No surprise there. Then you have another outlet here who's a, it's a staunch conservative outlet. And of course, he, one of his other takeaways was that he wanted to end the war with Ukraine, you know, 18 months ago and negotiations were in place and it was all scuppered by by Boris Johnson, who who said, you know, yeah. no, went to, apparently went to Ukraine and said, carry on fighting. It's the best thing for, for everybody. Yeah, certainly was the best thing for the UK with all the aid 
made and everything and all the headlines it generated. It was a kind of PR thing. And everybody knows that politicians love a good war. Again, warmongering. So they, that, they have gone in instead of they've tried to defend Johnson and said, oh, it's, that's a load of rubbish, this outlet. But they've gone in on the fact that his leg was twitching. He was moving his foot. They're trying to make out he's unstable in some way or he's got health problems. Um, but they haven't really gotten in on what he's actually saying um so it really is an interesting kind of take on on how how much there is to how little actually there is to really savage putin with as a result of this interview it's either take the focus away and pick a headline that's got nothing to do with russia or look at his body language but his actual words how they have substance they have credibility um so i mean it's you know it's early doors for reaction here because you know it's only just a few hours ago and it was overnight that that this interview aired um but yeah an interesting kind of take on the kind of relentless warmongering that we are seeing in our own media and his reaction putin's reaction is no i'm, I'm not like that um and i think they're going to find it hard to climb down now and if we see more headlines about conscription because russia is this big beast even more people are going to say you have really got to be joking on this now yeah, I'll tell you what, they're in for a big shock because if they think that uh, your average, you know, citizen out there these days is going to even be conscripted, I would suggest most would rather go to jail than go and fight that particular war. And of course, you know, you've got those on the left who won't want to do it. You've got those on the right who won't want to do it. Nobody will want to go and fight that war if they go and try and conscript people. So they're in for a big huge shock there as well. And I would suggest, as you pointed out very nicely, uh, yes, Boris Johnson was the one who went over there and said, no, let's not do that. Let's push ahead with this war. Maybe a, a good headline would be Boris Johnson responsible for all these lives that have been lost in this particular conflict because it could have been over 18 months ago. And I think that's another takeaway. An interesting anecdote based in actual events that Putin brought up as well was there was this small group of Ukrainian soldiers who spoke perfect Russian, who identified as Russians. They were surrounded. They had absolutely no hope. The Russian soldiers gave them every opportunity to, uh, to, to you know, to come out, to put the, come out with your hands up and you will survive this day. They yelled out, Russians do not surrender. And it didn't end well. With it. In fact, it ended in all of their deaths. But him pointing out the simple fact is a lot of these people, they're fighting their own people. And it, that is truly horrific to me. And whose war are they fighting? And again, um, every time it was alluded to that maybe he should talk to to uh, to Zelensky. I mean, it kept coming back to what's the point? Because he's obviously controlled by the US. He's a puppet and a puppet at best. So, uh, yeah, the whole thing is something I think everybody should go and watch and just to get the measure of the man himself. And uh, just wow, you know, that's what a leader should look like somebody who you know you look at and you go now that's a leader i haven't felt that um ever here with one of ours i don't know about there in the uk jim but i have never felt that one of our leaders is somebody that i would look up to or follow into a battle well, this is the thing, you know, he's also been slated, really roundly slated for this, you know, a, a, a history lesson in, in Russia and the formation of Russia. And, you know, and he's been uh, called it was a rambling, rambling exercise in, in Russian history. Good. That's what we all need. We need history and pride in our country. That's the, setting the scene of like how the, how our countries were built and what our culture is. And, but they, he's been criticized for that. No, we, we, we need that. All, all nations need that. National pride in the West seems to be a thing of the past. And certainly in the UK, we're encouraged to be deeply ashamed of our history and erase history, just like you guys, statues coming down. Let's rewrite it all. No, because if you haven't got history, you haven't got context. Whether it's good or bad is irrelevant. It's got its context for moving 
going forward. You know, don't you can't erase it. It happened anyway. Um, it, it, so he's he's giving this history lesson in Russia. Good for him. But of course, the Western press here in the UK are saying, oh, it was rambling. No one wants to listen to that. I think you'll find that the Russian people do. And he's, that's that's a very good chess move. It's pr it's showing national pride. It's showing he knows his country's culture, his country's background and he's got he's not going to hold back on and that will have been negotiated obviously with tucker um and 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 rightly so national pride is it, national and and international global we all fit together in our ways but if you erase history we're, we're flying blind and so i think that was a very clever move yeah i think it was um i think that interview's going to go gangbusters and again i would encourage everybody to watch it just to uh, get the measure of the man himself uh also um at the end where you had the journalist who has been accused of espionage and yeah vladimir putin said yeah we've got all options on the table and we've done plenty of nice things for the west and they're never reciprocated but we have agencies they talk to each other and we're very much open to that but he also went on to point out this guy wasn't just a journalist he was somebody who covertly received uh, highly classified documents. And I don't know, I mean, I can't see that as anything other than espionage uh, in itself, just because you're a journalist. Um, so if, uh, let's say, Julian Assange was a journalist, would he be looked at any differently now? I mean, no, they wouldn't. So um, I'm a bit, uh, uh, yeah, when it comes to that particular thing, I love that he clarified that because, again, the Western media are just going to give their watered down, washed out version of what happened. And they did. I tuned into various news networks to get the headline. And what they took away from that was that uh, Vladimir Putin said, yeah, or we basically said to the to the West, this will end when you stop arming the Ukraine. Wow, that's all they got out of two hours plus of uh, talking. Unbelievable. Gemma Cooper, have a terrific weekend. You'll, of course, be back next hour with Sonia Poulton, and I look forward to having a chat with you here on TNT on Monday. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably in terms of conflicts, uh, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured in the whole of the Second World War. And that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming Fast and Furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. residential areas by... And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT.
And welcome back to the program. Speaking of conscription, looking at the online chat, people such as uh, uh, many of them in the online chat, when writing, many of us here in the UK have uh, national pride. Zero politicians have that, with the exception of David Curtin over there, who is uh, definitely an up and coming and somebody that I had the immense privilege to talk to recently and is, of course, a fellow presenter here at TNP Now. Um, I'm going to be talking to what the guy who I consider to be the most fair income, the hardest working and the most selfless politician in Australia, Senator Malcolm Roberts of One Nation, and we've got him on the line. Hey, Malcolm, how are you going? I'm very well, thanks, Dean. How are you? Mate, always good on a Friday and even better when I spend the Friday afternoon having a chat with you. Lots going on and the miners, mate, the guys who work in hellish conditions and uh, you know some people might look at their pay packets and go that's good but when you have a look at the conditions and just how horrific it is and I noted that you said I mean you were once taken down into one of these mines and just couldn't believe how unpleasant it was those fellas working you know 24 7 365 days a year and what what are they doing them they're ripping them off but they're doing it legally and you found a loophole mate please tell us about it yes and just first to correct you I've been working in the mines myself for about 33 years, something like that. And I, when I first graduated from university, I thought I'd better go and start learning what's really going on. So I worked underground at the coalface for three years, different mines around the country. And then uh, I moved into uh, engineering, mining engineering and mine management and leadership for 30 odd years. So, uh, yeah, so what we found is that casual, so-called casual miners, they're working a full permanent roster so-called casual miners working in central Queensland or the Hunter Valley are each, get this Dean, each owed on average for wage theft back pay around $33,000 per year for every wow. year of work. $33,000 a year being ripped off them. So if you're a casual, you're uh, owed $33,000. And they've done this through using what labour hire companies and such, yeah? Well, mate, the, the, the three guilty culprits have been working together to enable this to happen and it's going back more than a decade uh, and my amendment that was defeated by the Labor Party yesterday and the Greens um, is to get them their back pay. Um, what happened is that the labor hire companies are using cheap labor thanks to a deal that they have done with the CFMEU union bosses used to be the CFMEU announced the Mining and Energy Union in the Hunter Valley and Central Queensland. And the other one that's complicit is that the Fair Work Commission has approved those. So the union has signed off on these deals and the labor hire companies have worked with the unions and the Fair Work Commission, the so-called government representative agency, has signed them off. And that's what's caused this collusion. So what we did was we moved a motion saying basically we want the Fair Work Commission to conduct an in independent inquiry to identify the the, um, the underpayment and then to to identify the miners over the years who've been underpaid and then to pay the money to them but the three guilty culprits should be the ones paying the money the CFMEU union bosses the so the CFMEU to pay the uh, the uh, labour hire firms and the Fair Work Commission. I, I would hope that the uh, miners have been very vocal to the CFMEU as well, they should. And again, you know, any any group that is so closely aligned with the Labor government, uh, it doesn't surprise me when things like this happens, but it would certainly surprise many of the workers who unfortunately trust them. Well, 
been we've been chasing this since a few miners came to me, and that was, became eight miners. We met with eight miners in in the Hunter Valley. Uh, even though I'm a senator for Queensland, we also confirmed that this is going on in Queensland. We've checked the award. We commissioned an independent uh, investigation into this. An independent report was written, itemising the, the deficiencies, the wage theft. This is the largest wage theft in Australian history. The largest wage theft. And so we've been working with these miners for four and a half, almost five years now, Dean. Um, and as I said, also working with Central Queensland miners. And we have had very, very little way of support. We've had to fight with uh, the, the previous Morrison government. And, and then when Albanese came in, we've had to fight with them. What, they, what happened in the Senate yesterday was they passed legislation that Tony Burke, uh, as Minister for Workplace, Relations, Workplace and Employment Relations, that he, he authored. And we believe that that legislation has been dressed up to be supposedly ending loopholes, but it, what it's doing is it's going to end the ability for miners to claim back pay. It'll end their rights to get this wage theft sorted out. It's, what he's trying to do is bury the CFMEU's um, com complicity in this and, and hide it, because as you know, the CFMEU is one of the largest donors to the Labor Party for election campaign. Labor depends yeah. upon the CFMEU and the CFMEU is going to be protected by the Labor government. But we haven't stopped yet. We're going to keep going. And again, we'll reiterate, it's nothing that they're doing that is illegal, but it is a loophole that they've been exploiting to make this happen. Uh, what's the likelihood well, that these miners will be back paid uh, in the end? Well, we, we have been fighting right for, for four and a half years. And when it first started, we were told we were wrong. Then we were told on, on long service leave, not being paid properly to casuals. Then they find out it was correct. Um, now, the way you, you correctly pointed out that it is pseudo-legal, it doesn't com it doesn't comply with it doesn't comply with the law, because everyone knows that in Australia, a casual worker is entitled to 25% loading, because they give up some of their entitlements, some of their leave, sick leave, etc., many other entitlements. So they they get 25% loading. Now, what's happened here? is that you can't have casuals under the Black Coal Mining Industry Award. So what they've done is they've created enterprise agreements and they have conjured up the, the casual classification. There's no award equivalent for the, there's no award equivalent for casual rates. So what they've done is they've just taken a rate that is in some cases below the permanent rate, not just below the permanent rate plus 25%, but below the permanent rate, Dean. These people have, some of them have been shortchanged by our calculations, independent calculations verified using miners, lawyers, um, HR consultants and, and industrial relations consultants. These workers, some of them are shortchanged about $40,000 a year. They've conjured this up. In my view, it's not legal, but once the Fair Work Commission authorizes it it becomes legal yeah mate that's a massive amount of money uh equating to what up to eight hundred dollars a week or something and of course going back years and years i hope there's a, a terrific outcome for these particular miners who have let's face it been ripped off um malcolm yes. uh, senator malcolm roberts will be back after this short news headline we're going to
talk about uh, a COVID inquiry and wouldn't that be nice to have a royal commission and we'll, well, we live in hope and we'll find out what's happening with that We're here right after this here at TNT. TNT Radio News. Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. US President Joe Biden has called a rare late-night press conference at the White House defending his mental capacity and his ability to run the country. Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be President of the United States and finish the job I started. Donald Trump is another step closer to securing the Republican presidential nomination after winning the Nevada caucus. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has told Tucker Carlson that he has no intentions of attacking NATO. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah, 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. And welcome back to TNT. We're with the man who I consider to be the best politician here in Australia, Senator Malcolm Roberts of One Nation. And uh, Malcolm, I'm going to blindside you a little bit here. I know how busy you are, how you could possibly ever have found two plus hours to have a look at the uh, the interview between uh, Putin and and uh, Tucker Carlson, I, I don't know, but uh, you'd probably be aware of it if you did get to watch it. I'd love your your take on what you saw. I've only seen the first eight minutes because that was while I was having my lunch, so I haven't seen it at all. That's one of my problems. I have a lack of lack of time given my priorities. But what what I what I've noticed is that Tucker Carlson has come into savage criticism. He was already put off once. Now, this is criticism of the media, uh, suppression of speech, which is a First Amendment right in the United States. So they're, they're pillaring him. That means the, the Biden administration has got something to fear because they don't want an open press. Tucker Carlson has, has had enormous courage. He's tackled some of the biggest issues ever. He does it in a very fact-based, uh, calm, measured way. And I think first, First class honours to Tucker because he's taken on uh, an interview with Putin. So I think, first of all, uh, I, my wife has watched it with my son and they've said it, it's a little bit slow because apparently Putin puts a lot of effort into providing the history correct. And Tucker Carlson, as, as a background as a historian or studying of history, so he, he, he will be able to tell whether that's true or not. But um, it's fundamentally very important to get the other side's view of this conflict in Ukraine because um, that may avert a war because when more Americans wake up to what's really going on, then we'll find that World War Three could be avoided. The other thing that's of note is that I've heard in a snippet that um, Putin has belled the cat and said that uh, what's happened is globalists have taken over the government of the United States, which is something you and I and many more people nowadays and a growing number of people are well and truly aware of. And so if the American people know Putin's side of the story, the American people can get an unfiltered view and make their own assessment of what's going on in Ukraine and with their own administration. And the American people can also become more aware of the globalists and then take back their government. 
Yeah, mate, I found it very refreshing that they had a leader who not only knew the history of his country but wasn't trying to rewrite it. Like one Mr Anthony Albanese, I found it very refreshing. I found it very <laughs> educational too, and it just flies in the face of everything that some of the mainstream you know, politicians uh, are doing here. Mate, when it comes to politicians, we've got some good ones, and boy, don't we got some bad ones. Uh, Lydia Thorpe and Jackie Lambie, hello. Um, because I just couldn't believe, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, any kind of inquiry into, uh, you know, the handling of COVID, into, uh, let's say, you know, the number of deaths that we have had that are far and above what should be the baseline. And of course, you know, you get people such as yourself and, and others uh, who repeatedly are, are putting forward the case that this should be heard. And of course, another one going through recently with Lydia Thorpe and Jackie Lambie being two of the abstainers saying nay, as, as I could have predicted most likely. Well, I don't know what you're talking about with the last, last example, which particular, where did they abstain? Uh, there was a vote. Yeah, it was a story I did yesterday. I, I should have uh, brought the documents with me. It was a story that I did yesterday. It was uh, Senator Ralph Babbitt uh, put through uh, oh. a particular, it was his bill, yes. yeah. Yes, okay. Um, that was, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's quite correct. Jackie Lambie, unfortunately, I don't mind Jackie. Uh, she, she has been, unfortunately, on the wrong side of this issue for quite some time. She's been an obstruction to getting the truth out. So has David Pocock. So has Lydia Thorpe. But, mate... This is typical of what's going on in our, in our parliament. I'll give you another example. So, so first of all, just to round off on that, um, on that uh, Royal Commission terms of reference, um, when Anthony Albanese said that he would not be fulfilling his promise to hold a Royal Commission, he laid an egg. And it, the mood in the Senate and the mood in the Australian population changed dramatically, as you well know. And, yep. and, uh, and so we pounced on that and I moved a motion saying, we asked a committee, the, the Legal and Constitutional Affairs Committee, to draft possible, have an inquiry to draft possible terms of reference for a possible future Royal Commission. It's not a Royal Commission. I haven't got the authority to do that, but um, we can draft the terms so that when the Royal Commission is called, off it goes. Now, that was passed because they were afraid of going against me because I would have called for a division and showed the mongrels who were opposing it. So. We've now got that inquiry underway. We had one day hearing last, uh, last week, and we'll have another day, day's hearing in um, mid-March. But, mate, you should have seen the uh, inquiry that was held uh, last th Thursday week ago, yesterday week ago. Nineteen witnesses came before the senators, and we asked them questions. They were enthusiastic. Unanimous support for a royal commission. Very strong support for the terms of reference that they were each putting forward. And it wasn't just unanimous support, it was enthusiastic, powerful support. Anthony Albanese's whitewash review was slammed. It doesn't have investigative powers, doesn't have inquiry powers, cannot compel witnesses, cannot compel evidence. Uh, it, it leaves out the state premiers who were mostly Labor Party people. And now we've seen, mate, the best submission I have ever seen to a Senate inquiry came from Julian Gillespie's team who have got lawyers, doctors, scientists, um, and, 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 and uh, many people from across Australia. And they're an expert team. He's pulled that together. It is phenomenal submission. And then he, he offered it up to the public to, in a very limited time, to co-sign it. And he got 47,000 co-signatories. So it is now called the People's Royal Commission, uh, terms of reference, people's submission, rather. But uh, 
So what we want to know, mate, is what has Anthony Albanese got to hide? Why is he also going against a Labour-led um, committee before he was before he was elected that, that recommended, I think it was the number one recommendation, to have a Royal Commission? Now they've changed their tune. So what we're doing is, is drafting the terms of reference for a possible Royal Commission so that when he has forced, when he's been forced into calling it, off we go, mate. Well, I love what you've been doing and you've been tireless uh, in regards to that and Senate inquiries and doing people's inquiries. And uh, you've even been helping other people and talking to other people over in New Zealand to help them with that as well. Mate, I commend you on your efforts. I would have loved to have had a chat with you. And I quickly, I did uh, talk to one of your regular candidates, Martin Stevenson, who's a friend of mine the other day. He went down to Canberra for the Reckless Renewables Rally and spoke very highly of uh, you, yourself and Pauline, of course, and the wonderful speech that you gave. And he said it was a pretty good turnout down there. But, um, mate, it was great that it happened and we need to be raising awareness of this. And, again, uh, I thank you for your tireless efforts in that regard. I'm losing you, Dean. I'm sitting in a cab um, just at the airport and I've got a very strong signal, but you're breaking up. Well, Malcolm, I was, I was just quickly, I was just saying thanks for your regards. Uh, so Sorry, thank you for your efforts in regards to the what you said the other day at the Reckless Renewable Rally and whatnot. Mate, we've run out of time anyway. Senator Malcolm Roberts, well, I'd just like to thank you. Let's talk about that in a future date. Oh, absolutely, mate. Next time we talk, we'll chat about that and what it means for the future. But thank you for your work. We all applaud you. Everybody in the online chat thinks you are phenomenal, as do I. Senator Malcolm Roberts, thanks for coming on the program. You're welcome, Dean. Thanks for having me. Keep doing what Thank you're doing. We need this independent voice. Cheers. And people, especially those of you up in Queensland, don't forget you've got the Queensland state election. And I'll tell you what, when you go to the ballot box, One Nation should be exactly where your thoughts are. Coming back after the break, it's Friday. That means it's Omar Khan here at TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week when Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about the position of Joe Biden when it comes to late-term abortions, she had the phony rhetoric ready to go. What I will say is majority of Americans, majority of Americans wants to see their rights protected, wants to see women have their rights protected, wants to be able to, wants, want women to be able to make those deeply, deeply personal decisions on their bodies, on their own, not politicians. That's what majority of Americans want to see. And so the president's going to stand with majority of Americans on this issue. Do those unborn babies have any rights then? I'm not going to get into that specific. I'm not going to get into that question. Rights for unborn babies? What are you, mad? <laughs> but let's take a look at how Americans really feel about the issue of abortion. This is from Gallup, May of last year. Only 34% of Americans believe abortion should be legal under all circumstances. 34%. A majority, 64%, say limited circumstances or not at all. And in the same poll, only 22% of Americans believe third trimester abortion should be legal at all. It just shows that Karine Jean-Pierre and her leftist buddies are a bunch of liars. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. 
He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. I am joined by my weekly co-commentator, Omar Khan, he's a global consultant. He's advised clients in the US, UK, Europe, and South America, South Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, Asia Pacific, and here in Australia. I don't think there's anywhere that he hasn't. He's absolutely phenomenal. His firm, EPL Global, they seek to convey better information for better decision-making, and that's why I always make good decisions on the weekend, because I get to speak to Omar Khan every Friday. Welcome to the program, mate. Always good to be here. Mate, where do we start? Now, I... I'd, I really want to get to the thought police um, and CJ Hopkins, yes. you know, he was acquitted and then they go and appeal that. We'll get onto that a little bit later. What I really want to get into at the moment, it's a thing on everybody's lips, is the Tucker Carlson, uh, Vladimir Putin interview. I'd love your take on it. Well, I think it's technically supposed to drop at 6 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. Uh, advanced copies are already circulating. Um, and so I've had an advanced uh, look at it though I do want to sort of hear it in its entirety. You know, I, I think, so there's one thing. One is content, second is hysteria. So, I mean, which one do we want to do first? So let's do hysteria first, then we'll come to the content. Yeah. So this sort of idea that he's a traitor, that he should be subject to a travel ban, that he might be guilty of violating the Espionage Act of whenever, 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 just shows how... Um, Terrified. I mean, Hillary Clinton was on MSNBC saying, saying that he's a useful idiot, Tucker, I saw that. or Putin. I mean, and it just looks like, you know, the Death Star coming out of her eyes um, with some, you know, um, preening interviewer. And you're thinking, would you really want Hillary Clinton up there? I mean, the, the queen of uh, malfeasance, deception, yes. and missteps. Um you know, with her husband's history of all kinds of peccadillos uh, to be telling us what is ethic, ethical in terms of journalism? Absurd. So they're terrified. I mean, that's it. I've never seen such a meltdown. And I don't think most of the major media will even carry the interview. I, I agree. It was so timely, the whole thing. And every word that uh, Hillary said about him if you pretended she was talking about herself, it fit like a glove on about herself uh, and certainly not him. Um, and of course, uh, he was corrected, you know, I mean, by even people from within Russia. Of course, the media has quoted that he was wrong, saying that other people have approached Vladimir Putin for interviews, but they were all, all biased people that he was never, ever going to talk to. Tucker Carlson was, of course, the first person who I think any of us could trust and certainly that Vladimir Putin could trust who he was prepared to talk to and be given a fair shake of the stick. Yeah, I mean, and also because he's, he promised that this would be unedited and unaltered. Yep. I don't think any of the others were willing to make that 
uh, uh, guarantee, which means that they could shape it to sound like, you know, the, the ravings of a madman. Yeah. But I think the whole issue of why he has to explain as a journalist his right to get anyone, anyone, especially a central player on the world stage whose views have not been circulated in the English-speaking world. I mean, when Dan Rather interviewed Saddam Hussein in the run-up to uh, the Iraq invasion, there was no hullabaloo. I mean, they just ignored him, unfortunately, because Saddam said, I don't have them, I don't want war. And he was right on both fronts. He didn't have them, he didn't want war, because, I mean, there was no winning it. Yep. And, you know, Dan Rather did what Dan Rather always, you know, did. He intoned and looked stoical and sage and all of that. Um, but there was no question as to his right to do that. This is how far we've come. We're not allowed to hear anything other than prophylactically sealed half-truths. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, mate, they were absolutely, as you suggested, mortified, horrified, stupefied. They absolutely did not want anybody to see what a reasonable, intelligent man Vladimir Putin is. And, of course, at the great lengths that they've gone to, MEPs and people around the EU advocating that Tucker Carlson should never be allowed in to their respective countries, that kind of nonsense. And you've seen the memes that are floating around with a bunch of people there historically interviewing Vladimir Putin and journalism, 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 journalism. But when it comes to the trader, of Tucker, yeah. Tucker there, trader, treasonous, all that, just absolutely bigoted, absolute threatens that put this out. And anyone who swallows that narrative uh, is in the same bundle as so them. Here's the problem. One of my mentors um, years ago came up with a phrase called perverse grace. Perverse grace was, he said, the ineffable stupidity of evil people, because if they were smart, they'd get their way. I mean, if Hitler had stopped, you know, after his first incursion, let people get used to it, waited another year or two, then done another one, he probably would have taken Europe. Yep. It was just that he couldn't stop. And then, you know, Russia approved uh, just, you know, the one egomaniacal delusion too far. So if these people had just ignored Tucker and said, so what? You know, he's, he's not, he's just, you know, now an outlier voice. Let him interview Putin, whatever. We know it's going to be lies and just ignored it. They would have, they wouldn't have removed the interest. But what they've done is they've now inflamed the world. Oh, yes, Even those have, who yeah. weren't going to watch it are now going to be riveted to see what are these guys so scared of? So here's perverse grace again, right? They're going to break the internet with this. Yeah. Um, because they've made it taboo. This is now like Lady Chatterley's Lover or something when yeah. it first came out. Everybody it, had to have a copy. Omar, there are such strong parallels with what they're doing to Donald Trump with all of this legal warfare. And again, he is now a shoo-in, an absolute shoo-in because of that. And they don't learn. The left, they're obviously not very intelligent because if they were, they couldn't possibly have any of the opinions and ideas that they have. Well, you know, I, I think the issue is there's now been a devastating report that Biden was caught, you know, with the classified information. They've, um, as well, as they say, uh, Trump was, and they've decided that his is not a criminal affront. Biden, <laughs> yeah. what a surprise. Yeah. But the reason, Stop. the reason they said 
is they said that he doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Oh. And so there could <laughs> like be that's criminal an intent of this rather senile. No, but can you imagine? And he had to go out and say, what the hell are they saying? My memory is plenty good in a week where he's claimed to have met two dead leaders um, or two leaders not in office. But these guys said when they were interviewing him, he seemed to not know where he was. He would forget things. He would lapse in and out. And so they did not feel that this was more than the absent-mindedness of a senile old man. Now, if that's what your report says to let you off the criminal hook, well, what does that tell us about who's running the planet? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. What does that tell you? It's amazing how their narrative, they'll use it to suit and then forget how inconvenient it is in another perspective. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No, utter, utter nonsense. And um, so, you know, I, I think that, um, and the other problem is when Putin, you're going to hear this in the interview, he says, no, you know, the thing is that Biden isn't running America. He said, you people keep swapping presidents, but none of them really run it. It's the same people in power. Uh, it's the system true. that we're confronting. And we all know that's true to some extent. Uh, we know there's a continuity in the military industrial complex that either gets tamped down um, or inflamed, depending on the attentiveness of the person in the Oval Office. But Putin knows that. He knows he's not really dealing with the boss, at least when you deal with him. Right or wrong, you are dealing with the boss. Yeah. Whereas in the case of, uh, you know, I mean, if you were negotiating with Kamala Harris, for God's sake, I don't know what you'd be negotiating, um, but uh, it would be utter, utterly crazy. Somebody jokingly said, don't let Tucker back into the U.S. And somebody said, bro, he just has to go to the southern border and walk across. Yeah, you can ban him from coming <laughs> home. He said, bro, we just need to go to the southern border and walk across. Mate, the, the, the world's gone mad. It really has. I don't want to run out of time because I don't want to miss out on talking about now CJ Hopkins and the world's gone crazy. The thought police have gone nuts. He he got his acquittal, as yeah. most of us thought would have been fair. And now it's been appealed by the prosecutor. And it's all about imagery. Tell people how the whole thing came uh, came about in the first part, please. Yeah, well, I mean, one of his books, um, which in which he was trying to show the onset of totalitarianism in Germany, has a mask, a COVID mask. And like the bat signal from behind it <laughs> is visible a swastika. And he's kind of suggesting that that is today's version of totalitarianism. And they brought him to court for disseminating Nazi propaganda. And it's, it's not against the law to use for satirical or analytical purposes swastika. He's, he's in fact, in his defense, shown other best-selling books in Germany that are yeah. far more blatant. And, and, and just, just to put things in perspective, sure. this is a country that's sending money to the Ukraine who have a bunch of Nazis fighting there. I mean, it's just you can't make this stuff up. Right. And you have people out in the streets of Germany German citizens protesting about Gaza um, and the, the the sort of approach that, you know, the government is taking. And they're saying all kinds of things. Right or wrong doesn't matter. But I'm saying they're expressing their right to free assembly. Yeah. They're expressing their right to share their thoughts. Now, but CJ, 
for flashing the bat signal or flashing the swastika symbol. And that was not him. It was the artist who did the cover of his book. It's not as if CJ was, you know, there doodling this himself. They claimed he was disseminating the propaganda. Now, this was so absurd that even the judge um, couldn't uphold it. Um, and she had him clarify, oh, you were using that to warn against it. He was like, duh, just look at my <laughs> entire life's work, yeah. my plays, my books, my articles. But because he then gave that wonderful, damning speech at the uh, end, his summation, she had to then call it drivel, the judge, uh, and walk out with a big mask, breathing like Darth Vader, yeah. just to sort of show that uh, I'm not moved by this man, but I have to be above it. They have no double jeopardy in Germany. Ergo, you can have prosecutions, I mean, your acquittals appealed. And that is a real shame, because that means you can keep somebody spending money in the legal mill, grind them down, you know, wear them out. And the little bit of good news that CJ, CJ's perspective on this is, he said that even though the judge wanted to throw me away, uh, where the light wouldn't shine, she couldn't. Because today's totalitarianism, according to him, has one thing different from the old-fashioned totalitarianism. Old-fashioned totalitarianism made no apologies for what it was. It was jack-booted thugism. Today, they pretend to be protectors of democracy and the rights. So if it's too, too blatant, he says even they back off at some point. But you have to point it out. It's not, I mean, you might say it was evident before he opened his mouth. That doesn't work. You have to rub their noses in it. And I think that's, for example, that's what the truckers eventually did. Yeah. That have led to the federal court in Canada saying that Trudeau uh, violated um, the law and violated his office by uh, exercising those emergency powers. So CJ's point is, don't go quiet into the night. You might think. Why do I have to say it is bloody obvious that lockdowns are going to kill people, for example? But you have to say it because they're counting on you not giving voice that if they can out-repeat you with their drivel, and every time they say it, we have to knock it back and say, sorry, no fact there, doesn't make sense. How do you lock down an airborne pathogen? Why would you lock down healthy people for the first time in history? Just have to do it like yeah. a catechism. Mate, it's a good tie-in, and I'm going to hijack you a little bit because I didn't um, plan on discussing this with you. Um, you know, with uh, Leo Varadka, you know, putting that uh, public um, thing out there to the people, asking him if they'd be on board with a uh, a hate speech law or legislation. Seventy percent said no. They went ahead with it anyway. And <clears throat> what's happening in Germany is just going to be a small taste of what we can expect to see in Ireland imminently, one would seem, uh, where you can now be arrested just for having a meme on your phone and then go to jail. The world's gone mad. It really has gone mad. Well, the UK has hate speech legislation now. Uh, I mean, you can get into serious trouble now in the UK. And the arbiters of what is hate speech and what is not that, see, that's the whole slippery slope. Who gets to determine that if not a marketplace of ideas and taste? That means that there is some preset, prefabricated, uh, mainstream determined by whom? 
the narrative that is considered acceptable. And uh, Omar, I think it's fair to say, you know, when they call it hate speech, the only hate is them hating whatever it is that you happen to say that flies counter to their narrative. Speaking of which, hey, we've run out of time. How, how time flies Don't when we're in. having fun on a Friday with Omar Khan. Of course, you can check check him out on EPLglobal.net and uh, a bunch of stuff happening on there. Omar Khan, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to uh, having a chat with you next weekend. And I, I hope uh, next week, I hope you have a terrific weekend. Yeah, it'll be post-Tucker, so we'll have that to talk about. <laughs> Look forward to it. We've got Sonia Fulton right, coming up care. next. Thank you, my friend. We've got Sonia Fulton coming up next. So stick around for that. I hope you have the best weekend ever. I'll catch you on Monday. My name's Dean Mack, and this is TNT.